Okay, great to have you here this morning. My name's Michael. I get the privilege of hosting this event. So if you've got any questions, please do throw them at me. I'm good at ducking and avoiding them. So um, we'll do our best to try and answer them for you. It's going to be pretty informal in this. I mean, lots of money has changed hands to get the venue. There's, there's no other venue like this for seminars. You'd be sitting in rows answering questions politely. But we've, lots of things have changed hands and we've managed to move things around. And so you've got a, a beautifully uh, ambient venue for this sort of arena. I hope you're going to enjoy that. It'll be a little bit more informal, I'm sure, than other settings as well, so please make the most of that. But for now, let me hand you over to Jez. Jez is going to be taking us through uh, the next few sessions, encouraging us, stirring us. Jez is part of the leadership team at Grace Church Stoke and Trent. I'm a part of that as well, so I can, with some credibility, recommend him to you and encourage you to listen to him, um, although I have to be careful how I do that for legal reasons. Okay, Jez, you're on. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, to start off, thank you so much for coming, guys. It's great to see you here. This is obviously the Creativity and Culture Life Zone. It's the first time we've done this at Devoted. Let me just quickly tell you what we're going to be doing, just so as you are fully aware of the plans. We're going to start off with a little bit of a talk. Uh, today, we're looking at God's design for creativity. Then we're going to interview this man here, Andy Kind. We're going to be doing something like that every session. And the reason we're doing it is because it's great to hear from somebody who's already taken their creative skill, ability, passion, gifting, whatever you want to call it, and actually started to run with it and started to make a difference with it and started to engage with society. So Andy's a great example of that, so we'll chat to him later. And then we'll have a time at the end where we'll break down into groups, we'll do a little bit of networking, hopefully build some valuable contacts. You never know who you might bump into and how helpful that might be in your creative journeys. But let's kick off then. Today we're looking at God's design for creativity. Uh, let's just start by praying. Yeah, Father, we want to thank you so much for all the good gifts that you give us, your children. Um, thank you for how you equip us with skill and with passion to actually make a difference in this world, to actually see not just lives turned to you, but culture dramatically transformed. We pray, God, that you'd speak to us this morning, that that things would change as a result of hearing your voice today. Amen. Okay, so what's our main objective as Christians? What, what's our job? What are we supposed to be doing? Well, apart from the obvious answer, worship God, which I imagine most of us would say, probably you're thinking something along the lines of, well, to see more people become Christians. At least I hope you're thinking that because that is a massive part of what we're supposed to be doing. Obviously, if we look in Matthew 28, it's the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But the reality is our job on planet earth is a little bit more than that as well. It's also about culture. What do we mean by culture? The word culture has been discussed and essays have been written about it hundreds of times over. For my degree, I studied psychology and media and communication studies. And we looked at culture more than probably most other things. And after three years of hard work, um, I'm still not that clued up as to the totality of what culture is all about. So what we're going to do is we're just going to do the classic and go with a dictionary definition because we don't want to spend hours on that. Uh, but this is what it says in the Cambridge Dictionary. Culture is a way of life, the general customs and beliefs of a particular group of people at a particular time. 
Our function as Christians isn't just to see people turn to Christ, as vital as that is, and it definitely is vital. It's also to create culture, to create a Christ-like way of living. If we saw millions of people become Christians in the West, and yet Western culture remained largely unchanged, it would be a very incomplete picture. We'd have to start asking a few questions. And actually, the very first instruction that God gives us is not so much about salvation as it is about culture. It's called the cultural mandate. It's in Genesis chapter 1. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, if you're anything like me, it's really easy when you read that to get caught up in the being fruitful and multiplying aspect, which most of us would think it's about having babies. But it's not just about that. Theologians will tell you, actually, it is about culture. It's about representing God's character on this planet, being his representative. Everywhere we go, therefore, we are holding this tension in our hearts. Great commission, cultural mandate. Seeing lives saved, seeing people meet Jesus, shaping culture. Sharpening the church, shaping the culture. Creating God-glorifying, God-celebrating culture, bringing light into darkness, bringing hope into hopelessness, being ambassadors in a foreign land, a Christ-like embassy. As Paul says in the book of Philippians, shining like stars in the midst of a crooked generation. God has very deliberately and very strategically positioned us. He has sent us into the darkness to represent his character to be like him to those who need to hear about him. John 17, this is Jesus praying to his father. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. How mind-blowing is that? In the same way that Jesus came, Jesus sends us. If we only focus on the Great Commission, we're only doing half the job, and the result will not be as thorough. There's this guy called H.R. Rookmaker. Um, he, uh, unfortunately, he's died now, but he was a Dutch art and prof- history professor, and he wrote this book called Art Needs No Justification. And in my preparation for this, I saw the, the book title, Art Needs No Justification, and I just was instantly intrigued at this idea. So I, I've given it a bit of a read, and there's this amazing quote. Listen to this. This is H.R. Rookmaker. Listen to what he says. The Christian life has been narrowed to that of the devotional life alone. Too easily, large areas of human reality, such as philosophy, science, the arts, economics, politics, have all been handed over to the world, whilst us Christians concentrated mainly on religious activities. The world may have become secularized, missing true spirituality, But the Christian's attitude is missing its foundation in reality. Being uninterested in the created world, it's become a ghost-like spirituality without a body. Christians have been active, but they've optimistically believed it was enough to preach the gospel and to help in a charitable way. In concentrating on saving souls alone, they've forgotten that God is the God of life, that the Bible teaches people how to live, how to deal with our world, God's creation. Although many people have become Christians, our world has become totally secularized with almost no Christian influence. Do you think that sounds accurate? 
It's quite hard-hitting. You might be tempted to think, well, that's perhaps more true in the West, less true in other places of the world, but it's certainly a hard-hitting observation, certainly worth paying attention to. The danger is that our priority becomes dragging people from the dreadful darkness into the glorious light, that we forget that actually we're supposed to shine the gospel light into that dreadful darkness and see that dreadful darkness completely dispersed. That's what we're supposed to be getting involved with. At this point, you might be thinking to yourself, what on earth has this got to do with creativity? It's an excellent question. The creative skills and talents that God has given you, be they skills to paint, be they skills to write books or plays or films, skills to write songs or poetry, skills in cuisine, skills in comedy, skills in gardening, flower arranging, cake decorating, graphic design, whatever they might be, whatever they might be, They've been deliberately given to you to help shape our 21st century culture. Sharpening the church, shaping the culture. Sharpening the church, shaping the culture. Do you know, when we read in the Old Testament of the very first people to be filled with the Spirit, we read of a chap called Bezalel and his friend Oholiab in Exodus 35. This is exciting. This is what it says in Exodus 35. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. To devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he's inspired him to teach both him and Oholiab, the son of Ahisamech, of the tribe of Dan. He's filled him with the skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or a designer or an embroiderer in purple and blue and scarlet yarns and fine twinned or twined even linen or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. I don't think it's coincidental that the first time we see God filling people with his spirit, it's two artists, not church leaders, not preachers, not group leaders, two artists. And if we look a bit deeper, it gets even more interesting. These guys were charged by God to create the tabernacle, which we know, don't we, that is the mobile version of what will become the temple. And understanding the new covenant as we do, we know that that's representative, a foreshadow of the church. And when we say church, we mean you and we mean me. God's people being filled with his spirit. Your artistic abilities... Your creative talents help grow and help shape God's people, shaping culture, sharpening the church. We're going to have a look at how that might be possible in a moment. But before we do, I just want to pause for a second. Those planes are really loud. It's really inconsiderate. <laughs> yeah, Michael, you saw that out for me, will you? <laughs> it might be that you're here today as an artist and you've been hurt before. You've been hurt in the past by churches you've been part of, been ignored. Perhaps your God-given gifts or talents have been left unexplored or unutilized. Perhaps at the very least you've been misunderstood and at the very worst you've been left frustrated, disillusioned and heartbroken. We genuinely believe this is a new day for us. It's a new beginning, a new era where your gifts will start to have a huge impact amongst our churches, amongst our cities, our towns and our villages, please be encouraged that your gifts have been given to you not just as a tokenistic extra, not just as a fancy thing, but as vital to church development and to culture shaping 
to city changing. If you've been marginalized as an artist over the years, our big passion for this year, for this year's Life Zone, is to encourage you, to tell you that you have something to contribute, not just in a tokenistic way, but in a culture-shaping way. Also, if you're only just beginning to explore your own creativity, we want to explore those gifts with you. We want to get right behind you and see them make a difference, not just on a Sunday morning, although let's face it, seeing more of that would be amazing too, but also out there in the real world, bringing God's dominion, illuminating God's character amongst the broken people, amongst people who need to know his character. Do you know there's a bit in Ephesians 4 where it says, the whole body of Christ grows and builds itself up when each part is working properly. When each part is working properly. Guys, that includes you. That includes all your artistic abilities, all your passions that God has given you. I, for one, am incredibly excited about this. Who knows where we'll be in five years' time? How our artistic abilities might make a difference in ten years' time? How will things look when our children... I've got three small kids. CJ is six today, actually. Reuben is four in November. Maisie Grace will be one in October. When they're adults and they've got their own kids... What will be the state of church? What will be the state of our nation? I long for the day when the sacred starts to influence the secular rather than the other way around. But of course, this leads us to a very good next question. How can my creativity actually, when the rubber hits the road, make a difference? That's actually quite a hard question to answer. And obviously, it would be ludicrous for us to try and dictate what your creative journey is going to look like or what your creative skills will look like. That's bizarre. But I think at the very least we can agree that there are some objectives for us, some values, some things that in a generic way we know will happen. I've come up with a list of four. It's not exhaustive. There's probably more. But here's where I think we we can start. Number one, it provokes wonder. Thomas Carlyle once said that wonder is the basis of worship. I don't know about you, but I think our generation could do with a bit more wonder. I think when there's a lack of wonder... There's an increase of arrogance. I think our generation needs a bit more wonder. That feeling you get as you gaze into the night sky, imagining the billions of stars that first shone their light millions of years ago. Or as you enjoy the colors of a glorious sunset, colors that incidentally never clash. How weird is that? That the colors never clash. My wife and I are looking to move house quite soon, uh, and that means decorating will begin, as will the arguments about which colours we should and shouldn't use, making sure they don't clash. And yet, as we look at sunrise and sunset and all the colours, it never clashes. You never look at it and go, ooh, that looks a bit stupid. It always looks amazing, doesn't it? How about that feeling you get when you see your bride walking down the aisle? Or the feeling you get when you're the dad walking your daughter down the aisle? I long for that day with that little girl over there. That's Major Grace, by the way. It's not going to happen anytime soon. At least that's the plan, Um, but that would be great. What about that soaring moment that you hear your baby cry for the first time? Or when you hear them laugh and whatever it is you're doing just stops as you concentrate on your child, just mesmerized by the cute chuckle that's coming out of them. Obviously, these things are all God-created things, but I think we have potential to create things that spark off a sense of wonder, that point people heavenward, a beautiful painting, brilliant guitar riff, a soaring goal, a scorcher from the 10-yard box, whatever it might be. Number two, soothe heartache. 
it really is so typical of our God that he would give gifts of creativity that have the potential to heal wounds, to bring comfort and to soothe heartache, even amongst people who won't ever choose to worship him, even amongst people who will cuss his name. Such is his immeasurable kindness that he uses our creativity, and not just our creativity, all creativity, to bring healing to people, saints and sinners. How many times have you heard a song or read a poem or experienced some manner of creativity that has just been what you needed in that moment, that's just been able to lift you? I've had some, uh, some difficult seasons recently, and it's amazed me how often it's been music that has really helped conversations with lovely people and friends and family are always amazing but sometimes it's just been a song it's just been some creative piece of music that's just turned the mood and just lifted the situation and helped me out of that difficult patch do you remember king david playing the the harp for king saul bringing comfort number three confronting injustice i have to say i'm a big sucker for songs that confront the status quo i like song i like controversy I like songs that cause a little bit of a stir. I think I was meant to be a punk rocker, just born in the wrong sort of generation. All types of creativity have potential to confront injustice. I was on Facebook recently, and there was this, and there's loads of these things happening at the moment. I don't know if you've noticed, but there was an artwork that had been done. The artist was saying, a couple of weeks ago, I tripped over a homeless guy, and the homeless guy hardly moved. He just ignored it, and I was so upset by the situation that I decided I wanted to challenge this in the form of art. So what he did was he created um, a, a sculpture of a man on his knees and he put a, a bin liner over it and just tied it up and then put it in the corner. And the, the number of people that went past, not noticing at first and then noticing and the sort of feeling of upset and confusion and just the jarring inside them as they recognize this isn't right. What's going on here? Just a really clever, artistic, creative way to challenge and to confront injustice. Loads of songs. Free Nelson Mandela by The Specials, Feed the World by Band-Aid. Even Amazing Grace was a bit of a protest song in the fight against slavery. Sunday Bloody Sunday, Blowing in the Wind. Imagined by John Lennon, not to mention countless books, paintings, films, poems. Maybe we'll see more of this in the years to come as we begin to step out and start exercising our creative gifts. Number four, pointing to Christ. Finally, I would argue that the point of all of our creative endeavors is to point to Jesus, to do our bit to illuminate and communicate the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Creativity exists to show him as a source of all of our longings, the fairest of 10,000, the lily of the field, the pearl of greatest price, the only one who can bring healing and lasting satisfaction. All of our creativity is an overflow of his anyway. It's his gift to us. God has a very specific design for your gifts, and there is an exciting adventure ahead of us as a family of churches. I'm so excited to see how we're going to start to explore that together. We're going to spend a bit more time exploring those four ideas but before we do that, can we just welcome up with a massive round of applause, award-winning comedian who's no stranger to Devoted, Andy Kind. Thanks very much. Thank you, Jez. That was brilliant, mate. Oh. That was really good. 
Really good. And I, I haven't paid you to say that, have I? No, so it was yeah, fantastic. Good. Good. The only thing I want to question, um, <laughs> you, said, you talked about different things and you talked about a yeah. soaring goal from the 10-yard box. What sport is that in? Did I say 10-yard box? She said 10-yard box. Okay. Which sport? Let's go with croquet. Okay. Well, All right, things. good. It's, it's several things wrong with that. Let's, never mind. It's great to have you here, Andy. Thank you so much for, for your time. Andy Kind, everybody. Hey, thanks very much. Goodbye. Okay, so first of all, for those of us who might not know you, um, yeah. just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for a living. Okay, thank you. So I am a, uh, I do two things. I'm a professional comedian. That's my uh, job, my profession. I've done that for 12 years. Uh, started in two, January 23rd, 2000, uh, 2005. Uh, so I go around the country and I do, I do gigs. I do stand-up comedy. Sometimes I go around the world and do it, but mainly it's in, in the UK. And... Um, yeah, so that's my that's my job. Will you ask me how I got into it? Is that I will ask you that. Okay, yeah, I, I don't not want just to, yet. I don't want to leave can, important stuff out. Um, quick show of hands if you've seen Andy live. Oh, quite a lot of people. There you go. He's going to be doing a set here actually on Sunday, isn't it? No, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. So, and it will be in this venue as well. Yeah, tomorrow so night, ten o'clock tomorrow. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. It's going to be great. Andy, what have been a couple of high points for you in your career? Uh, I think. Well, Devoted last year was, was pretty good. That was ace. Uh, <laughs> there's, I think, lots... I mean, there's been... I've done about 1,800 gigs, so there was, there's been some real highs, some real lows a, a, as well. But um, I think going to South Africa in 2014 was really good. To be able to do 10 gigs in Johannesburg was, was fantastic. Uh, and it's really weird because, you know, everyone believes in God in South Africa, so even the church gigs, there's like 1,000 people there. I did one gig in, in front of 1,000 people on a Sunday evening. It was amazing. And, uh, and also, because they're sort of 20 years behind us in their, in their humour, you can be really racist, and they love it. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't, but you know, it's nice to know that our option was open. Uh, and, uh, so that was great. I, I, think, I think any gig... We did a gig uh, at your church, didn't we? Uh, we I certainly think did. That, that, any gig where there's loads of people and we have a great time, I, I love that. I think there's that next level then. It's only happened two or three times in, in, in 12 years where you do a gig and you hear that someone has become a Christian. And I don't do sort of Christian comedy and I don't, I don't even think I was interviewed that, no. that night. It was, just, it was just the gig. But when you do something and, and the people uh, there are... It's that full of wonder and pointed to Christ thing, number one and number, number four. You bring people into a church environment, they're expecting it to be really cheesy and, and Christian and religious, and all of a sudden they have an amazing time. And like with Grace Church, it's in a sort of where, warehouse, and they just have an amazing time, and, and they're full of wonder and they're asking questions. I've had that two or three times where people become Christians, mm. either on the night or as a result of it. I've had loads of people sign up for Alpha as well, but when you have a, that direct and very quick response to Jesus as a result of the art, yeah, yeah. then that, that's amazing. And that's all, I suppose that's what you're trying to Definitely. show here. That, yeah. I think a huge part probably of comedy, we'll come on to it maybe in a second, is the soothing heartache. I imagine mm. laughter brings a, a huge sense of comfort. Yeah. But what will be really helpful, considering that we are largely people who are excited about creativity and stepping into those things perhaps professionally, mm. just get, talk us a little bit about the early part of your journey and when you first sort of thought, hey, you know what, I'm going to give up whatever I was doing before and I'm going to risk it for a biscuit and start doing some comedy. Yeah, so it was very... I was fresh out of university. I went to university and then... I'd always wanted to be a comedian. I remember being 12 years old and... So this was before I became a, a Christian. I always wanted to be a comedian. I remember being 12 years old and writing in my English book, I want to be a comedian. So there was a clue there. Uh, 
And then when I did, you know, when you're like in fourth year and, and you're doing those psychometric tests and you have a careers advisor and they, they work out all the psychometric tests and tell you what you're going to be or what you could be. And none of them, one of them was like waiter or like PE teacher. I mean, I love a tracksuit, don't get me wrong, but I don't, I had no idea, no intention of being a PE teacher. And I said, well, I'd quite like to be a comedian. She said, oh, yes, but that's who, no one's a comedian though, are they? Well, some, some people are, but, yeah, but, but no, no, it's not a, that's not a career, really. And this is, the, this is the person they've selected to talk to me about my career. Uh, so I didn't listen to her. Went to university, became a Christian just after university, and, became, and it was actually through becoming a Christian, and this is, feels counterintuitive, but again, it taps into what you're talking about. I, I didn't think Christians did cool things. I thought they were vicars or social workers or, or nurses. And those are amazing things. But f- from my point of view, that wasn't like, that's not a cool thing. That's a, a very vocational standard job to do, social workers, uh, doctors. I didn't think a Christian could be a, a comedian. When I became a Christian and felt like God was really moving me in, in that direction. Um, sandwich boards to the front, please. All sandwich boards to the front. Thank you. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. great. Thank you. That's right. You were discreet. No that was the. Uh, <laughs> that's what we all liked. <laughs> Great. At about half, about half twelve, will you come in with a board saying the end of the session is nigh, and just sort of. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> you were, we're talking about the early part of your journey. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I uh, became a Christian and started feeling like, actually, that's what God wanted me to do. That is what he had planned for me. And I was at a prayer meeting and, and this old woman who I'd never met before just put my hand, her hand on my shoulder and said, God will deliver you what he promised. And what she didn't know is that actually wow. God had really been speaking to me about, about going into, into comedy. And so this was mind-blowing to be a new Christian, to think the things I've had, yeah. the things I've had in my heart as my desires all along... Yeah. God had put there, you know, because God knew about me before I knew about him and loved me before I loved him. And so to think that God gives us our heart's desires, not just delivers them, but actually puts them on our heart in the first place. That, w- that was amazing. That was really encouraging. Can I just pick up on something? There? Yeah. That's, I think that's really interesting because what is established might have said to you as a younger man, Christian establishment might have said, well, no, maybe don't think about comedy. Maybe think about preaching. Mm. Uh, but God said... No, actually, I've, I've put some desires in your heart, and I promise you I'm going to fulfill that. I'm going to see mm. that through. Yeah. And I think that can be something that happens, can't it? We can be so set in our ways of doing things, and often God rocks up and says, actually, guys, I'm much bigger than that. I've got a much bigger vision than you have. So if you've got dreams, if you've got passions and desires, and currently you're thinking, ah, oh, maybe I'm just being crazy, you might be. But equally, God might be doing something, and don't, don't dismiss it straight away. Um, Andy, next question. Yeah, fine, sorry. Yeah, do, thank you. Do stop me when oh, you need I will. to. <laughs> I will. We have limited time. Um, how do I, th- you I think finally, that final point on that okay. is that it was the idea that uh, ministry is not just confined to like, being a vicar. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So how do you think then comedy can make a difference in shaping God-glorifying, God-celebrating culture? Sure. Well, I think laughter, particularly laughter, is an amazing thing. Uh, when you laugh, uh, your body releases endorphins, which makes you feel better. There's actually uh, research that occasionally people get healed of diseases just by, just by laughing a lot because of the number of endorphins that, that heals your body. There is a case of a guy uh, watching loads and loads of comedy DVDs back to back and then being in remission from the thing that he was given. It was only a mild thing. It wasn't sort of cancer or anything like that, but 
laughter produces endorphins. The other thing that happens is that laughter is simply a release of tension. That's all laughter is. Like, um, with a joke, it's just a surprise. The bigger the, the, bigger the surprise, the, the bigger the laugh. And so what happens when you laugh is that your body releases all of its tension. Just for that little time, that little moment that you're laughing, tension is not allowed to stay in your body. Tension gets cast out mm. of your body. I mean, that's an unbelievably spiritual concept that, you know, all the, all the anxiety is just cast out of your body when, when, you're, when you're laughing. And so if you're laughing for a long period of time, that's, a, again, incredibly healing. And I've only learned yeah. that in, in, in recent times. But I think, you know, the idea that, that people can, can come to a church gig in, in some cases and, uh, and just be really blessed by, laugh, by laughing and have that tension, that anxiety relieved. I know a, a woman who came and uh, she'd had terrible, uh, what is it when you can't sleep? Um, insomnia. Insomnia, terrible insomnia. Came to one of my gigs, slept really well. Wow. Uh, not, join, not join the gig. <laughs> Hoisted by my own petard there. Um, no. After the gig, she slept really well because not just because of what her body yeah. was w- yeah. was doing. And so yeah, for me, like laughter and comedy, it's like a, a leaf blower for the soul. It just really kind of it, it, it soothes. That's, that's actually a quote from my second book, The Gig Delusion, yeah. which is not not available here. That's a tweet there. Let's say that again. Laughter is like laughter is like a leaf blower for the soul. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. All right. Last question for now. Then, what advice would you give to anybody wanting to step into comedy or any kind of yeah. performance-related creativity. Yeah, I, I think that um, the, the main thing to realise is that what you said, you know, God is the creator. The first thing God does that we hear about is he creates. He creates the universe. And um, we are all creative. Probably if you're here, you probably realise that. But we're all creative. And when, when people say, I'm not creative or I'm not artistic, uh, certainly if they say I'm not creative, that's not true. And it's what they've been told. And it's actually a curse. I don't mean that in a real sort of you know, witchcraft sense. But it's a curse. Like I, My wife tells me off because I always say I'm really clumsy. And I'm probably not that clumsy. But I was told as a child, time and time again, I'm really clumsy. And I believed it. I believe something that's not true. So it's a curse. And so with all of us, if, if we say I'm not creative, well, that's, not, that's, that's mildly blasphemous. But it's, it's because we've been told it and we've believed it. We've been discipled into believing that we're not creative. So I, I think when people come to me, uh, as they sometimes do, and say, I've got, I feel like I've got this desire to be in the arts or something, my answer is that, well, you probably have then. Yeah. You probably have. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be famous or, or rich. I'm neither famous nor rich. And I've done it for 12 years. But actually, I love it. And I, I've, I've really sensed that, that calling. I've got a good career. I live abundantly as a result of it. And so if you do feel called into the arts, you probably are. If you do feel called to use your creative gifts, you probably have been. And then it's just about working out what that looks like. And so what you need is you need people who've gone before you. Mm. So um, I now run, I now live in Huddersfield uh, with my wife, and we run a little retreat centre called the Westwood Christian Centre, as well as doing comedy. And one of the things we want to do there is to really just break the curses that people have had spoken over them in terms of creativity, and also to equip Christians who want to go into the arts, whatever that means, particularly the performing arts. So I've got some leaflets at the end if you want to come and take one. It's just a retreat centre, but we want to start to use it as a place where people can come and explore their artistic calling and, and also just have that, have that nonsense that they've had spoken over them removed, really. Um, that sounds more grand than it's meant, than it's meant to be. Um, no, I think that's good. Please, yeah. please do make use of those leaflets. That they're, in that, they're in that very uh, lovely-looking Sainsbury's bag. Fantastic. Because they've got not a lot of budget. 
Because uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it, it's worthwhile investing into yeah. this sort of thing. Um, so, so to answer the question, it, it's very important to, when you feel this calling, when you want to go into the arts, to find people who've been before you and let them disciple you. Because actually, if you find the right people, they'll be really keen to disciple you. There's a group of us uh, in comedy uh, called the Super God Comedy Squad. Deliberately stupid name. But there's, eight, there's 80 of us at all levels, from like Milton Jones and then and me and people, all the way down to people who just feel like they want to do comedy mm. or they're, mm. they're doing... They're preaching, they're learning to preach at Theological College and they want to give comedy a go. The whole, the whole range, it's yeah. a fellowship, a brother and, and, and sisterhood and it's just really good to be able to you know, disciple people and, and, and bless them and affirm them because a lot, a lot of these people won't go on to be professional comedians but they will use their gifts yeah. um, in, in whatever they go on to do. So yeah, it's the it's accountability and relationship and just, just knowing that yeah, it's not wrong for Christians to do artistic things. It's, it's such, that's such a, a, a legacy from the Enlightenment that unless it's reasonable and rational and you can kind of measure it somehow, then it, it's not true. Well, that's not, it's just nonsense. Again, that's a societal curse. We are allowed to be in the arts. We are allowed to use our artistic giftings because it, it does help us engage with, with the creator. That's, I Amazing. think, what I wanted to say. That's brilliant. Let's give Andy a round of applause. Thanks very much. Andy's actually going to be back tomorrow and he's going to be doing the talk tomorrow as we explore a very interesting topic which is basically the tension between being God-glorifying and also being culturally relevant. And how do we compromise? Do we compromise if I'm an actor? Am I allowed to swear? Do I do nude scenes? All those kind of tensions and questions that you're faced with. Does that compromise my success? How do I deal with that? Andy's going to be dealing with that because I didn't want to deal with that topic. Uh, <laughs> and also, it's something that he does on a day-to-day basis as a comedian, not you know, the not on the news scenes. <laughs> there, there's potentially a lot of information that's being thrown at you during these sessions. What we're hoping to do is we're hoping to set up a Facebook group um, that we can then all join and then keep in touch with each other, share stories, share articles, share events, all that kind of thing. I'm still getting permission to do that because um, I haven't spoken to the powers that be. But if you are interested and you'd like to get involved, there's just some sign-up sheets down here just asking your name, the sort of area of creativity that you're interested in, Church City, and your email address. And if it does get set up, I'll get in touch with you and let you know. Um, I'm just going to quickly do some recommendations, if that's okay, if Chris can go on to the next slide. These are just a few books that I've been reading um, that have really helped me and inspired me recently. Now, there's a bit subjective, this. I found them quite interesting. You might not, um, but it's worth exploring, especially Andy's book, Stand Up and Deliver. That really brilliantly documents the early part of his journey as a comedian and the sort of struggles he went through. He's brilliantly honest in it. It's entertaining. It's funny, um, but it's also just very real. And there's loads of really helpful principles in there. So definitely, and he, honestly, he's not made me say this. It's a genuinely heartfelt recommendation from me. Art Needs No Justification. I've quoted that already. A little bit wordy, but really helpful. Talking about the history of art and, and how it's sort of developed. The Crowd, the Critic, and the Muse from a chap called Michael Gungor. I don't know if you've heard of the band Gungor, but he is brilliant and really, really insightful. So if that's interesting, then check that out. And then the next slide. Just some great CDs of examples of people writing music that is engaging with secular society as well as just us Christians. Uh, so Gungor, One Wildlife Spirit, King's Kaleidoscope, Beyond Control, Brooke Fraser, who you'll recognize as 
the writer of that Hosanna song, I See the King of Glory, um, and her album, Brutal Romantic, that's really amazing, actually. She, she takes on some interesting topics like our relationship with social media, you know, so not obvious Christian subject matter, but viewed at from a gospel worldview, which is really interesting. Uh, we're going to break down into some networking groups now, where we're just going to hopefully, like I said earlier, build some contacts, um, pray for each other, share stories of success, stories of failure, maybe explore some of these themes that we've looked at already, provoke wonder, soothe heartache, confront injustice, point to Christ. But before we do that, um, we have got also a prophetic art group workshop that's, that's being run in the hub every day. That's right, sorry, not in the hub. Stuart Goodwin, sweet. Yeah, but you have to sign up in the hub. So if you are interested in exploring how your creativity, particularly artwork, might actually be able to communicate prophetically, then definitely check that out. In fact, that's probably an obvious fifth point to add. God speaks to you through art. You know, that's really, really vital. Um, so already made a massive blunder. I have. I should have put that on there. What we're going to do is break down into to groups. What I thought might be quite helpful, Michael, if I can borrow you for a moment. I've sort of broken it down into four categories of creativity, and I've tried my best to not leave anybody out. Um, if I have left anybody out, please come and shout at me later, um, but maybe find a group that will be most relevant, um, just because I think you're likely to have more in common with people who are exploring a similar field to you. So I've gone with writing, articles, books, blogs, cartoons, comic books, films, magazines, novels, screenplays, script writing, songs, etc. Um, if you could put that in one of the corners. They're going to go in the four corners of the room. Don't go away just yet. I'll give you all of them. In all, in all four corners of the room. Then we've got visual arts, architecture, uh, crochet, decorating, drawing, embroidery, fashion, graphic design, landscape gardening, painting, photography, sand art, shadow puppets, literally anything that's visual. I've probably missed loads out. I'm really sorry if I have. I just had a brainstorm and just tried to do as much as I could. Food and drink... Because this is relevant. Baking, beer brewing, cake decorating, cocktail mailing. That's meant to say cocktail making. I don't think anybody, I don't think anyone mails cocktails. <laughs> oh no, dear. Oh, love it. A, a drink has just been posted through the, the letterbox. Coffee roasting, cooking, spirit distilling, wine making, anything like that. Um, entertainment and performance. So acting, comedy, dancing, poetry, gigging, singing, spoken word, street art, street performance, anything like that. Uh, then, then maybe gather around that category. Does that make sense? Not if it sort of makes sense. Okay. Oh. Ah. Ah. Just in case. <laughs> Just in case. So I've put here misc. We can whack this in the middle of the room. Literally anything that's been missed off accidentally is what I've put. Um, it's probably helpful to go down in, in, into smaller categories. Maybe work with groups of two, three, four. Uh, it just gives you a chance to, to share, explore, have a little bit of conversation. Um, and then that's what we're going to do until the end of this Life Zone today. Tomorrow, like I said, the theme is uh, the, the tension between how we remain God-glorifying and culturally relevant. So if that interests you, please come along. I think there was a question. You get to choose whichever one you're most passionate about. Maybe you can spend a bit of time there and then spend a bit. How are we doing for time, actually? Have we got the time on them? Okay, great. So we've got about half an hour to just spend a bit of time networking with each other. Who knows, incidentally, what relationships might be forged here that might result in collaborative efforts in the future. You never, never know. So uh, enjoy yourselves. So who, who would be a writing person? Can, can I take this to stand in the corner?
There you go, that corner there. <laughs> and then finally, entertainment and performance. Who would like to... Oh, there you go. Cheers, Andy. <laughs> okay, great. So we'll, wha we'll whack the misc in the middle. If you guys want to move around, find a group that you're comfortable in. And begin. Music. Hi guys, sorry just to interrupt you for a couple of seconds. Um, it's 12.20, so we're fine to keep going for another 10 minutes. Just a heads up, if you do want to go and get your kids, don't forget to do that. Um, also, just a quick reminder about whether you'd like to sign up for this contact group so we can keep in touch with you. I've just been doing a bit of mingling. Some of the, the stories that are being shared and the ideas and the passions and the, the thoughts and the excitement, it's amazing just to sit and listen to it. So it would be really great if we could start to build up some kind of group where we can all keep in touch with each other. Um, also, let me just give you a quick heads up as to the themes of the next two days. Like I said, tomorrow, where Andy's going to be doing the talk himself, we're looking at that tension between how do I remain God-glorifying and God-honoring and yet culturally accessible and relevant. I think that's a really fascinating topic. And then the following session on Sunday, we're basically getting a bit more practical and we're just sort of asking the question, what next? Where do we go from here? Um, just exploring some helpful values together. Um, okay, carry on. You've got a few minutes left. <laughs> 